it's well for me it was it was pretty terrifying you know there is a, a lot of pressure on performing well hitting all the marks and being better uh you know you you don't want to disappoint them because they are the people that you look up to and they can they can be pretty brutal when they give you the feedback afterwards so it's really like oh gotta get gotta get it right For whenever you're listening to the Joshi Pod, your weekly podcast about the world of Japanese women's wrestling, Joshi Wrestling. I'm your host, Eric Howard, coming to you from beautiful San Diego, California. I want to thank you all, first off, so much for the uh, feedback from the interview with Thunder Rosa last week. The audio quality wasn't the greatest, but she was the greatest. I uh, really enjoyed the, the chat with Thunder Rosa. Um, if you haven't heard that one yet, please go back, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, go back and listen to the archive. We've got some uh, pretty interesting interviews in the past with like Jazzy Gabbard, Tekla, who's over in Japan right now working for Ice Ribbon, um, Zoe Sky, who's over working for Stardom right now in Japan, Josh Barnett, Priscilla Kelly. Uh, we've got quite a few different people who've, uh, I think it's worth going back and having a listen to uh, some of the previous episodes. This week's episode, we're going to just have an abbreviated episode because the state of wrestling in Japan right now is in a little bit of a flux because of the coronavirus. Tokyo Joshi Pro has uh, canceled live events right now. They are going to put on a uh, free show, or not a free show, they're putting up a show on the DDTPro.com uh, website uh, March 1st. Um, it's going to be an empty arena show as well. But uh, the DDT had a show uh, Thursday night, for Friday morning, wherever you want to call it, in U.S. time, wherever, wherever in the world you guys are. Um, but uh, so it's a little bit of state of flux. So we're going to keep this, uh, this show a little brief and uh, focus more on the interview, which is with Chris Wolf. Uh, it's part one of our two-part conversation. Uh, we get into what, uh, what got her to Japan, her training a little bit, and... Um, uh, she goes into uh, some some detail about the uh, the act Yoshiko incident and what it was like to be a relatively uh, young foreigner in that situation. Um, Chris is a pretty amazing person. Uh, never heard a person say a bad word about Chris, uh, and uh, you're gonna fall in love with her even more than you already love her after hearing this uh, part one of the conversation we have. So uh, stick around, listen to that. But before we get to that, I've got to tell you about our sponsor, Quiet Wyatt Designs. If you need a t-shirt, a poster, a Snapchat filter, anything at all, reach out to Nolan and the team at Quiet Wyatt Designs. Uh, they can be found on Twitter at QWD underscore official. Uh, they've got a Thunder Rosa t-shirt they put out. You can get it at thunderrosa.bigcartel.com. Support the show sponsors support Nolan and the team at Quiet White Designs. Uh, they are super helpful with uh, getting this podcast out and uh, a big support. We can, we can use all the support uh, we can get at this little old podcast we run here. But uh, yeah, support the guys at Quiet White Designs. I do want to quickly chat with you guys about where Joshi performers will be performing outside of Japan. Uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro, they still have seats available for their show Friday, April 3rd at WrestleCon. 
Um, and then Maki Ito and Miyu Amashita will also be on the Joey Ryan Party Show on April 4th. Um, during WrestleMania weekend, uh, Venny, the uh, wrestler known as Asuka in Japan, makes her U.S. debut at Effie's Big Gay Brunch Show on February 4th. I'm sorry, on March April 4th, get your, get your month straight, Eric, uh, for tickets to go to makeitgayer.eventbrite.com to see Vinny slash Asuka. Uh, give her your support. Um, she's a, a very brave woman in this world, and uh, it's real exciting to see her get her due by coming over to the U.S. And then on uh, March 6th in San Diego, Akane Fujita will be appearing um, at the Fist Combat Show. Uh, you can get more information on facebook.com slash TV. She's going to be in a 10,000 thumbtack match. Uh, I'm not sure I want to see a kind of Fujita with 10,000 thumbtacks in her or not. Uh, but if you're a, a wrestling booker in the U.S., uh, she will be in the U.S. from March 2nd, which is uh, pretty soon, to April 14th. She's available for bookings by reaching out to kikitaro.booking at gmail.com. Let's get her booked. Let's get her on as many shows as possible. She's uh, a good talent on a, from a, a great company in, in Ice Ribbon. And before we get to that big interview with uh, part one of that interview with Chris Wolf, I want to thank you guys again for downloading and listening to this episode of the Joshi Pod. Please follow us on Twitter at the Joshi Pod. Once I get to 500 followers, I'm going to give out a t-shirt, a Joshi Pod t-shirt. Um, speaking of t-shirts, remember to go to ProWrestlingTees.com, support past guests like Kikio, Nicole Savoy, and others. I'll put a link to the uh, Joshi wrestlers who have Pro Wrestling Tees stores in the show notes. It's a great way to support uh, the women we enjoy watching. Um, please do that. So let's get to part one of our interview with Chris Wolf. You guys are going to want to listen to this one. Arigato gozaimasu. Hey guys, this interview is really, really uh, important to me and fun to me. Uh, one of the best things about doing uh, the podcast is talking to people you admire, uh, people you you uh, have such strong um, admiration for, because they took the leap of faith and, and uh, did something I don't have the guts to do. I, I never had the guts to do. Um, our guest today is Chris Wolf. She took the leap of faith, moved to Japan, and became a professional wrestler. Chris Wolf, welcome to the Joshi Pod. Uh, hi. What's up, Eric? <laughs> Not too much. Um, I, I, again, thank you so much for doing this. And, and so how does a girl born in Chicago of Filipino-American descent, grows up in, in New Jersey, how does she end up in Japan? Get your heart smashed really, really hard. Um, and then you, <laughs> I think people just do crazy things when they're going through heartbreak. And that's how I kind of ended up in Japan. Plus, I had a friend there who was like, hey, why don't you come here and forget everything? <laughs> so was, was Japan like a, a dream vacation spot for you or ever? Or was it just something? You know, I don't know if it has something to do with my era growing up. But I and I did travel to the Philippines and in, I guess. You know, that's international when I was younger, but maybe 
living in America, I didn't really see outside of the borders. I mostly just wanted to move to California, to be honest. Um, but that's because that's the image that I saw a lot in movies and TV. I think perhaps even if I did watch anime as a kid, for some reason it didn't penetrate into my mind that I could myself move to Japan. So it was, wasn't a, a dream. It was just kind of like, a, huh, that makes sense that I went here. <laughs> So you went to Japan. What did you What did you start doing first when you were in Japan? You didn't go there to wrestle at first. Did you? You went there to to do other things first. Yeah, I mean, I I went there to get over a heart heartache, a heartbreak. Because um, sorry, I'm learning Norwegian, so my English is continuing to suffer. Uh, I I went to Japan because I had a really bad breakup, and then I was just there on vacation trying to figure things out. Ended up, I don't know. The cycling through the country for a while and camping, being homeless, and then thought, hey, this is a pretty nice place. I haven't got attacked on the street while camping. I think I'll try living here like a normal person. So then I got a job as an English teacher, and from there, eventually found my way to pro wrestling. What's life like as an English teacher over there? It's pretty steady. I mean, it can be stressful depending on where you work. I had this one friend who had been an English teacher for a long time, and he said that uh, companies are usually run by dicks or assholes. Oh, wait. No, no, no. Dumb asses or assholes. There we go. They were both with butts, so I got them confused. Uh, either they don't know what they're doing or they're, um, they're jerks about it. I guess I did need to explain that because y'all are English speakers. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good work. It's steady and... Um, I knew one girl who paid off her student loans teaching English, so that's, you know, impressive shit. So were you teaching adults? Were you teaching children? Or who who were you teaching English to? I was teaching everyone, which is terrifying for the population. (laughs) (laughs) How many different words for butt did you teach them? (laughs) Oh, um, you know what? I, I, I don't think I... No, I I did teach them, but but probably not to the kids. I think to the adults, I taught as much, uh, what's the word, inappropriate English as I could. That's pretty popular over there, actually. Yeah, I I heard of a girl that was making like three k a month just teaching, quote unquote, adult English. <laughs> <laughs> Where did wrestling come into the picture over there? Oh. Um, probably a year and a half after teaching English, I was just getting really bored, feeling really stagnant. Um, at that time I had all this energy and I was cycling. So at that point I was cycling a total of six hours round trip to Tokyo Tokyo to work and then back to Yokohama, Yokohama where I lived and working like a full eight hour shift. And I still felt... I don't know, this kind of energy that wasn't being released. And, you know, teaching kids takes a lot of energy, but I, I, I don't know. I was looking for some sort of outlet, had existential crisis, which is, again, the theme of my wrestling career as well. And somehow talking to people led me to wrestling, from a coworker who liked wrestling to a teacher who recommended I check out Joshi. And there was this, this dude at a gay bar who was straight, but worked part-time as a waiter and stunted in the evenings and also worked as a pro wrestler. You can cut all of this if you want, because I'm sorry. We're shuffling through my mind, and it's a mess. 
I love it. No, <laughs> that's what this is about. Oh God, I'm sorry for all you listeners. <laughs> <laughs> So, tell me, okay, I've been to Yokohama. I love Yokohama. It kind of reminds me of San Diego a little bit, but oh, I just, yeah. I, I love Yokohama so much. It's so different. You take the, the train, you rode a bicycle, but I rode a train from Tokyo <laughs> to Yokohama. It seems like two separate worlds almost. It does. Yeah, it's more chill, I'd say. It's like San Diego. You're right. All right. Um, so, so. These people tell you about Joshi Wrestling. I'm sure you, you, you probably go to the internet and watch some Joshi Wrestling. How do you? How did you choose Stardom? How did Stardom choose you? Or how did you go about finding somebody to to start with? Uh, I literally went to YouTube and put in Joshi Pro Wrestling, and Stardom had the most uh, the most hits, so it came up as the first result. And I clicked on something. Um, I th- I clicked on a couple of their videos, and it was matches with Natsuki Tayo. Yoshiko, some with Act, some with Kairi, some with Io, and then those are the ones that like stuck out in my mind the most when I um, actually ended up going to see them. So, uh, rewind. Saw the videos, looked up the company, saw Stardom had like a, a contact me part, clicked on that, Google translated a shitty letter saying I wanted to become a pro wrestler, sent a little video where I could stumble through my shitty Japanese and tell them that I wanted to join. And uh, the owner contacted me and said that, hey, why don't you come check us out? We have a show this Sunday, and then we'll talk. And so was, that, I, was that Rossi who, who reached out to you? Yeah, yeah, that was Rossi. <laughs> and, and so I saw it, immediately fell in love, was like, how the hell aren't they dead? Because I didn't, you know, I saw some matches when I was a kid, like pro wrestling, but uh, never really followed it because, Lack of TV time, I guess. Anyways, he asked me if I still wanted to do it. I was like, hell yeah. Hell yeah, let's do this. Um, so he was like, you can join in our trainings. And if we think you're ready, we'll give you a test. And if you pass it, you can become a wrestler. So how was the first day of training? What was that like for you? Oh, man, it kicked my ass, but it was so fun. It was like uh, me, a bunch of green girls, and um, and Fuka Kakimoto, she was the mm-hmm. trainer. And I guess um, the girls that uh, fans might know that were there are like uh, Azumi, Hazuki, uh, Asuka. She's, she's no longer wrestling, but um, she was part of my class. And then Koguma. And then there were some other girls like Maya. And I think I briefly trained with, what is her name? Yuna, Yuna, uh, yeah, Manase. But then she she debuted a little bit sooner, and she was training with the the senpais later on. But anyways, yeah. How, was, how, how old was Azumi then? She must have been a baby. I don't even know, but to watch someone grow is weird. must be strange to be a parent, to watch this baby suddenly become an adult. Freaks <laughs> me out. So we hear horror stories about training, about 10 million Hindu squats and all this and that. What, what, was, it, what was training like for, for a, a beginner? Um, we would run this uh, course through the city that it was in. I can't remember. Was it Kameto? No, no, it was past Kameto. Sorry. I can't remember where this Thai kickboxing dojo was because I have really bad memory. Um so we'd run through the city, and there was a short course, and there was a long course. And Fuka would make us run the long course, and I think it would be about a 20-minute run. 
And then when we get there, we'd stretch. And then we would do this sequence where we would run around the, the kickboxing ring. And whenever someone shouted a different action, we would do it. So it would be like burpees. Like we'd stop jogging, drop down and do and jump up and do five burpees or whatever. And then it's like, I think it was 10, actually, 10 burpees. Then we'd run again, 10 sit-ups when they shouted it, and then squats. You know, it's just whatever exercises to break up the, I, I guess, to build our reaction time or quicken our reaction time, as well as train our muscles for explosive movements. <laughs> oh, wait, sorry. That's not done yet. <laughs> um, so after that, then it would be like, I don't know, uh, we'd all take turns doing different kicks and strikes to the punching bags that were there. And um, there, we'd also practice, what's it called, tackling, knees, and um, whew, I don't know. We Was did like a lot a, of exercise. A little, bit of, a little bit of amateur kind of takedowns and stuff too, a little bit? Uh, yeah. Yeah, we were, we'd practice some takedowns. Like there was, a, it felt like there was all these different parts of different martial arts that we would do. And I remember while I was training, I had asked, so is is wrestling real? And they just looked at me like, we'll tell you when you debut. <laughs> <laughs> and because it's like we're, we are, we're doing all of these moves. Man, we got body slammed on this hard-ass kickboxing ring. It's basically a floor. <laughs> and we just would spend some time just sparring and wrestling or grappling um, and then eventually would work our way to train, chaining, but, um, for them, for a really long time, it was just a, a lot of conditioning and learning different things. Like drop kicks was one of the, not one of the first things we moved, but we started that pretty early because it was just like, Hey, you got to learn to, to get your ass up in the air. Every woman I've talked to that's gone to Japan, they always talk about, they train drop kick, drop kick, drop kick. They have, their drop kicks have gotten so much better by going to Japan. Yeah, I believe it. <laughs> so when you're you're green, you're new to the, the business, and you're watching mm-hmm. um, the more experienced women in training. What what are your thoughts when you see these these experienced women, you know, in, in training and just what they're doing? Could I ever get to that level? Will I ever be that good? The answer is no. But <laughs> it was really daunting, and like awe, aweing. That's not really a word, is it? Um, in awe. I was always left in awe. Yeah, just how could they do this? Not just the combination of moves, like the height and precision, the speed. It just, I don't know. It What's blew my crazy mind every time. Is you, it's you're, you're not just watching average average women's wrestlers. You're seeing the best of the best in the world. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you're trying to aspire to be them right from the start. Uh, yeah. Sometimes I wonder if I would have followed through if I knew that it would be so hard. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I, I feel like I am a, a little bit of a different person now. <laughs> so you're you're over in Japan. You, you taught English. You're, you're starting wrestling training. Your mom mm-hmm. is obviously Filipino. Mm-hmm. Um, my my mother-in-law is Filipino. My best friend mm-hmm. is Filipino. And yeah. their, his mother and my <laughs> wife's mother are very traditional and have traditional ideas about what Filipino should do for careers. What did your yeah. mom, in a, in a long way of asking this question, what did your mom think about you uh, becoming an English teacher, one, and then staying there to be a wrestler? The entire way. Like, my mom was supportive in me getting over the heartache bit, you know, 
she actually was just like really into me going to Japan and letting my heart heal. But the moment that I started doing shit like biking by myself for 20 days and camping in shrines and alongside highways and shit, she was just like, why do you always have to do shit like that? What are you doing? You have an education. Why aren't you using it? So uh, I was met with much disapproval. <laughs> did she ever come around? She did. Um, when I performed for ROH, she and my sister came up, and she was really happy to, to, to see me work. She had a hard time understanding what it was when I was just telling her. Uh, but when she saw it in person, she really enjoyed it. She thought it was crazy, and she was very concerned about my body because she's a physical therapist. Um, but but she thought, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of you. Please be careful. <laughs> <laughs> she's still a mom. No matter what, she's still a mom. Always. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you're progressing in training. You said there's a test you got to pass. We, we hear about the test that the, the women take. Tell me about your experience, uh, your test. How did it go? Well, two days before I took my test, I got hit by a taxi car door while biking to work. Mm. So I had a <laughs> – that's my third concussion in my life by that point. And it was – yeah, it just made me so mad because I had been preparing for this test for a really long time. So when that taxi driver hit me, I wasn't scared or sad. I was, like, furious. So I let out this, like, ah! yell at him and really shook him anyways um it did change the test a little bit normally people are have um this kind of sequence that they have to do where they just they run the ropes they jump on the corners they take bumps um anytime that it's being called it's very much like the that reaction training that i was telling you about earlier mm -hmm. so it's like that but because of the the accident they did do the bumps with me. Um, so I had like a different kind of conditioning, running around, jumping, doing all the other moves that didn't require me to slam my body on the ground. Um, but I did have a lot to do with working with the bag, a lot of the, the push-ups and a lot of the sit-ups. And well, yeah, you know, 100 push-ups. Wait, was it 100 or was it 50? I can't remember. Lots of push-ups, lots of sit-ups, lots of squats and then chain wrestling and grappling or uh, not grappling sorry sparring who gave who gave me the test or how does that work i'm curious um there were four people watching as well as all of the girls that had already passed and were training um the main judges were rossi fuka nanae and io were th so. was there any was there any, a nervousness i mean and when you're done like is it like a thumbs up thumbs down kind of thing how do they how do they let you know um so after you do all the physical stuff you also then have to tell them why you want to become a pro wrestler so i had to tell them in my broken ass japanese that i wanted to become a wrestler because i wanted to be strong like them and i just want to keep something like that i can't remember <laughs> and um they then they they talk about what they see in you and they I to be honest a lot of that early period of me wrestling I can only under I could only understand 40 to 50 percent so I knew they were discussing what I did and I knew they approved me and that was it <laughs> <laughs> 
What was that satisfaction like when you when you were accepted in? I was so happy. I was so tired. I mean, so the other thing was, um, you know, how I was living as an English teacher before. Mm-hmm. Before I found Joshi, I had quit that and was just going off of savings trying to find work. And around the same time that I found wrestling, I also found this, like, English YouTube thing for Japanese people. So I was doing that simultaneously. And that helped me pay for rent alone, barely any food. So when you are a wrestler, you can actually stay in the dorms and not pay rent. Mm-hmm. So I was really excited to move into the dorms and just at least start putting money away or at least surviving because I was really fucking broke. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys do the community chunko and stuff like that too at the, the dorm? Chunko? Oh, um, we didn't have a rice cooker at the time. Did we? I can't remember. We did have a lot of things because it was a, a new room and it was just me and Jazzy. Uh, we didn't even have a fridge. So much of our eating was conveni food. Just rice balls and packs of chicken. J- Jazzy loves you, by the way, just so you know. She loves you. I love you. her, too. She was my first wrestling friend. <laughs> All right. So how long after you passed your test do you have your first match? Um, Pretty quickly. So I passed. When the fuck did I pass it? I think I passed it August 8th. And then I had a match August Co- 10th. And my 30th later, yeah. birthday was August 12th. So it was, you know. <laughs> so I, you, you're 30. You're, you're wrestling against girls that are 16, 17. Yeah. Can you say dumb? I'm dumb as fuck. <laughs> you're adventurous. I like to call that adventurous. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, so some of your early matches, I mean, you, looking at the names of the, the women you wrestled against, it's, it's pretty amazing. Like you, your second match is against Takumi Aroha, who I think oh, God. N- now is one of the best wrestlers in the world. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, t- tell me about what it's like to wrestle against somebody. I mean, she was good even back then. <laughs> yeah. It was, you know, there is a a feeling of safety in a sense. I mean, they're, they're rough as hell, and you will get messed up, but they guide you. They know that you're new, so they really want to make, um, make the experience the best as they can for, for the two of you as well as the audience. So they really think about, um, about what we're doing out there in the ring. And they want you to make you look as good as they possibly, you possibly can, as they possibly can. Yeah, yeah, because if you, you know, I mean, what does it matter if you destroy someone so easily? It doesn't mean anything. And they're, they want every story to build to something. And how did the, how did the stardom fans take to you when you first uh, <laughs> debuted? I think they were a little confused because I'm there howling and, and stuff. And I think it didn't really click that I was a wolf until I got a tail, you know, just bam, there it is. Because my first costume, I looked like a breakdancing Aladdin, you know, <laughs> like I was in the ninth grade and I had jazz dance or something. You look, you look like you're in ninth grade too. You look so young. <laughs> <laughs> my face is weird. <laughs> So how does training differ once you actually make your debut 
versus when you're just, you know, prior to your debut? Um, it was hell. I, um, (laughs) honestly, I, I think it was so difficult that, I mean, it wasn't just physically difficult. It was mentally and spiritually draining. Um, I think I, I actually had wanted to quit right away, but I, I was so frustrated with myself that I thought, you know, you had, you had basically starred for six months and gone to training and walked across Tokyo just to get there. You have obsessed over this idea of passing this test to be a wrestler. You can't give up yet. And, you know, it just, I, my body wasn't ready for the pain that would come. And it's also very interesting because my relation to pain has changed over the years, like through wrestling, you kind of get used to this feeling always being there to the point where it's almost, I mean, it's there and it prevents you from doing things sometimes, but it just becomes a part of you. And, and you don't really realize it's like, I, I don't feel that way anymore. And it took a really long time for me to get connected to my body again after quitting. Sorry, that that was a long rant. Apologies. No, that's good. No, but so when you were a kid or when you're growing up, like you're, pain threshold you know some people have high pain thresholds some people don't yeah did did you have a high pain threshold when you were younger i think so i think i did have a high pain threshold and then this just took it to a different limit yeah it did and i think there was also part of the the mental thing was the loneliness you know when there when jazzy was there I, i definitely had a friend when i was interacting with the japanese girls that were senpais it was very much it was very old school, so you couldn't speak unless you were spoken to. And um, it, it just, I was able to connect more with the foreigners when they came because it's like there's no rules like that. Even though they were very much ahead of me in their careers, they would still talk with me like a person. <laughs> so people like Hudson Envy that came over, people like that. Mm-hmm. Like- yeah, Hudson, Heidi, Dragonita, you know. Everyone mm-hmm. just uh, we we were all roommates basically. <laughs> so so pretty early you tagged with Kyoko Kimura. Mm. Was she one of the the people though the the traditional old school? You know she she was, but she was very interesting. You know because I remember the entire Stardom roster like looked at her with that kind of like fear of the senpai. You know because she's so badass and she's. She's, um, I think she has the, the same length or more career than Nanae. Um, so she was, she was up there, right? And there was always kind of reverence whenever she came into the room. Mm, so I was immediately intimidated that I would start tagging with her. I was scared shitless, really. <laughs> um, but she, she was strict, but she took care of me. And I still think of her as like a wrestling mom. Was little Hannah running around anywhere that you saw? I did meet Hannah when she was like 15, I think 15, 16, maybe. Yeah, it, it's so weird to have seen her so young and then grow up. But she was always taller than me, so I guess it wasn't too shocking, I suppose. <laughs> you see a teenager, then you're tag teaming with later on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is my life? <laughs> 
So you're you're going through the tag league with Kyoko. You're you're facing basically the who's who of, of stardom at that time. Um, oh gosh. So you, when you when you get into a match with like one of your trainers in Nanai. So when you get into a match, what's the what's the pressure like? What's it feel like to have to like wrestle your your senpai? Um, it's well for me, it was it was pretty terrifying. You know, there is a, a lot of pressure on performing well, hitting all the marks, and being better. Uh, you know, you you don't want to disappoint them because they are the people that you look up to. And they can they can be pretty brutal when they give you the feedback afterwards. So it's really like, oh, gotta get gotta get it right. But then when you when you hear your own music though, and you just burst out, it, I feel like that kind of helps you just let out that nervous energy. <laughs> when do you think you got real comfortable in the ring? How long did it take? I mean, I don't know. Like, I always felt the anxiety before every match I feel like I'd want to vomit every time I think one time I did vomit in my mouth and swallow it but uh <laughs> I think I felt more comfortable with the crowd uh maybe after a couple of months yeah because before I didn't even see the crowd I would just see in the ring I could only see the people I was facing and to see beyond the ropes was like it just was dark <laughs> <laughs> So people like Hudson and Heidi come in and you have matches with them. Mm-hmm. Is, is it a different feeling when you're in a match with them versus with the, the Japanese woman? Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, definitely with the foreigners, there would be more freestyling. Um, and that made me so nervous. <laughs> um, they, and it would be kind of playful, you know, um, I think. So there's there's different things that I was learning from the two different groups that were present, you know. Um, I guess technique from the Japanese and uh, kind of like a different flow from the foreigners. What what's what was that flow the foreigners were teaching you? Um, I don't know, maybe take it a little slower and bigger movements because I'm so small. They were just like. Try to make it as big as you can, Chris, because no one can see you. You are tiny. <laughs> so when you're wrestling over there, are you watching YouTube videos of American women's wrestling or anything like that at all? I didn't until later in my career. Um, okay. It wasn't until that I until I was invited to go to the West that I started really looking up more stuff. I would see some things if uh, foreign wrestlers would recommend it to me. Mm-hmm. Um but I think I was deeply researching Japanese style wrestling, like going into their history and stuff. And then since we had also a lot of uh, British girls, I was looking into world of sport. And then eventually I came, I went and ventured into the YouTube land of American wrestling. So when you're there, are you thinking I'm going to be in Japan forever? This is going to be it. Yeah. I mean, I yes and no. I mean, I, I didn't think so much about the future. I just, I, I, had I didn't have that ability, so it feels really strange to think about it. There were no aspirations. I literally just had that moment. So there was a bit of a shakeup 
in stardom when the whole act in Yoshiko situation happened. I'm not asking you to, to, to tell me, you know, your opinions on everything, who you hate, who you love. Mm. Just tell me about the experience that day, what it was like to be a relatively new foreigner in a, such an intense situation. Um, well, new and foreigner definitely being the key words. I didn't know what to do. All I knew was it was going to be hard-hitting because it's a Japanese match. And Act had said that she had had beef with Yoshiko in general. Not like beef, beef, but like they all, they've had history. But again, my my Japanese at that point was still 40 to 50%. Um, but... Were there tensions building up, I mean, before that day, before they went to the ring? Did you feel anything backstage at all? Um... They were very cold. It mm. felt very cold between them. Um, and act as a, you know, always respectful to the senpais. Just the, uh, there was, there was tension. And just, you know, it didn't feel like they were friends. So it was weird because, you know, I think if you look back far enough, they were at one point. Um, I don't know. I can't really comment on that because I wasn't there in, mm. at that time. I only saw that, um, that they didn't have uh, good feelings. <laughs> <laughs> so a- after the fact, was it just chaos backstage, or what was going on? Mm, yeah, yeah, it was. And we had finally managed to pull Act from the the ring. You know, she couldn't see out of one eye. She could barely breathe. She had a broken orbital bone that was so swollen. She kept apologizing because she just wanted to give a good match and it was heartbreaking because her her parents were in the crowd mm-hmm. and you know, she just wouldn't stop apologizing and mm, I think we're all frantic to continue with the show like how do you save an entire show after that mm. and also concerned about getting her to get the proper care it's just like me and Kimura went to the hospital right away and waited till we could see her until her, you know, everyone could come. Uh, it felt awful. I, I didn't know what to do or what I could do. There's no way to help my friend and just that helplessness feels like guilt a lot when I think about it. So did it question you? I mean, this is the one of the ugliest sides of wrestling. I mean, did you question your career at any point after seeing something like that happen? Absolutely. I I wanted to quit right then and there, but Act asked me to to wait for her. <laughs> she she asked me to wait so I could be there when she comes back. And. I remember there was a time when Rossi was going to break up Oedo Tai. It was when it was just me, Thunderosa, and Holiday. And I I know none of the fans could understand me because I just, like, went off script, took the mic, and started saying, like, Oedo Tai's not done. And the only one who could probably understand me of the Japanese was Rossi. So... At least that was made. Everyone else was like wondering why I was like choking up and saying shit on the mic <laughs> in English. So, but I'm glad it's, he kept it. 
it's a bit unfortunate that unfor- that act is remembered more for that than her actual wrestling career. I agree. Tell me, tell me, tell us why people should go back and watch Act wrestle. She's so charismatic. I mean, she she puts all all of her energy and her ability into what she's doing, and you can't take your eyes off her, even when she, when you're watching like one of her first couple of matches. You know, like I, I know fans. Some fans really like technical stuff or whatever, but like she is so engaging with her style of her costume. She puts all of the work into the details. Um, she's a really talented performer. I, I I don't know. She's just shiny as fuck, and she has a really powerful story that's inspiring for anyone who feels like maybe they should give up. She's. Oh, forget what it's called. There's a dandelion, I guess. Like she, there's this quote that she she has in her movie about being a weed, like the dandelion, because it's resilient and it'll keep growing even if you try to kill it. And I think she's one of the biggest inspirations for me. I mean, I I stayed for like a year or so after just so she could come back. Oh.